Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Christian Chick podcast. My name is Amanda and I'm very excited to be here with today's episode. I believe it's going to be very encouraging. I do have a lovely guest with me and I'll go ahead and let her introduce herself. Hello, my name is Tamara. Thank you so much for having me. Um, So I was invited to just share my story um, just about a waiting season. Um, So background of my story, my husband and I had um, been trying to conceive a child. Um, Ultimately, we want more than one, um, but you got to start with one. (laughs) So (laughs) we were, uh, we had known ever since we, you know, even before we met each other, we both knew that we wanted children and we both were pretty specific in what we wanted. Uh, We both wanted twins and I wanted at least one other one. And he specifically wanted twin boys, already had names picked out. And for me, I wanted twins, but it did not matter if it was boy, boy, girl, girl, or boy, um, boy, 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 girl, or girl, girl. Twins. So um, well, he was very specific for boys. And so from there, since I didn't really have a preference, my desire also changed to wanting two boys, Mm -hmm. um, sticking with the names that he had chosen. And I also knew that I wanted a little girl um, sticking with the name that I had chosen. Um, So we got married. Almost immediately, we began trying to have our family. And it just wasn't happening. I actually, when we got married, was on a birth control, not so much to prevent birth um, or conception, but for other reasons. And months in, I believe it was about a month in to our marriage, um, the dog ate the birth control. So, (laughs) So I decided from there that we're just going to go ahead and stop the birth control. And we're going to actually not necessarily actively try, but we're not going to do anything to prevent trying or to prevent exception. And if it happens, we will be extremely grateful. Mm -hmm. Well, that quickly changed within a matter of weeks. And I was like, no, I'm ready to try. Like we're, (laughs) we're (laughs) so um, in that moment though, you know, those first few months we weren't again, actively trying, but we weren't doing anything to prevent it. And I was taking that time to learn my body and recognize when is the best time to get pregnant? What do I need to do to get pregnant? You know, just the basic things, kind of just basically what they teach you in high school in your typical health class. So nothing dramatic, nothing crazy. Um, But I I still needed to take those active steps. I'm about I would say they say a year It was a little longer than a year for us when we started realizing, okay, maybe something is wrong because we're not doing anything to prevent pregnancy, but pregnancy is still not occurring Um, as well as myself having some pretty intense menstrual cycles. So I went to a doctor, the doctor told me that everything should be fine. Nothing seemed wrong. Um, so I believed that not realizing that I should have done more testing. Mm -hmm. So I believed it. We went forward, fast forward to 2000, we got married in 2011. So fast forward to 2014, I had some other health issues going on that resulted in 
other issues that kind of spiraled into as side effects and things. And it sent me to a gynecologist, a new gynecologist, because mine couldn't get me in. And it actually was kind of a blessing in disguise because since this was a new clinic, I had to fill out all the new paperwork, yeah. including, um, are you pregnant? Have you been pregnant? Are you, do you want to be pregnant? If yes, how long have you been trying was some of the questions. Mm-hmm. And so I answered and I said, you know, how many years it had been. And she was a little concerned and oh, sorry, let me know. So by now it had been about three years. Correct. Uh, Of trying and just really trying. We were really holding on to that faith, you know, like we're going to have faith that this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This is going to happen by faith. We're going to believe God. We're going to trust God. And we did. But I I didn't realize that in that, that number one, I should have also sought help. And number two, that it was okay to seek help from a doctor. Um, so often in the church, you know, sometimes it's, it's believed or perceived that you don't have faith in God. If you're going to a doctor in our doctor, sometimes it's other sources, but for us, it was a doctor. So, um, I really struggled with that. And I, I really was like, okay, people are telling me that I just need to keep praying. I just need to have faith. Mm -hmm. And that's what I kept holding on to. (laughs) So, When I went to this new gynecologist, she told me we're going to take care of the issue that I was actually there for, and she had wanted me to come back. Mm -hmm. And she informed me when I went back, she wanted to do some basic testing. So she did a little more testing than my previous doctor had done, but still not a full workup. Um, But it did reveal some issues, but she was very optimistic. She wasn't concerned at all. Um, She had also encouraged me to have my husband speak with his doctor Mm -hmm. because we didn't know what the issue was at the time. So my husband spoke with his doctor and his results came back less than favorable, but also very optimistic. His doctor was a little more concerned than mine, but still felt that it was going to be okay. Um, So we kept trying, we kept doing things and it just wasn't happening. So at this point, again, not realizing that I really actually needed to speak to a fertility specialist because I was just uneducated. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. Um, And a few years later, I had some other issues going on that sent me to the doctor. They did an ultrasound. And again, I was told everything looked fine. Everything is great. All I need is someone to get me pregnant. So at this point, would you say it's been by now? It had been about five. Wow five, five and a half years. And so with that, uh, we just really started focusing on what to do with my husband because his results were still coming back less than favorable, but still possible. Mm -hmm. So we continued on. Um, He ended up switching jobs, which gave us better insurance. It gave us amazing insurance, honestly. And so I said, we're going to send you to a new doctor. Forget this. We're going to a new doctor. So I called insurance, um, they gave me someone, and then that person gave me someone else within their specific um, like provider's network within their office that specialized in male factor infertility. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I didn't even realize we were actually looking at male factor infertility. I'm not even sure, honestly, if I knew that was actually a thing. Like, obviously, we knew that there was an issue on his part, as well as, you know, something going on with me. Um, but like I said, I was told everything was fine. So I thought we were OK. 
Um, so that was, that was kind of a shock to me to find out, you know, like male factor infertility, that that's actually a thing. Right. Um, so he, he goes to this specialist who did a workup and that specialist said pretty much the same thing that my first doctor said, or my second doctor I said, I want your wife to go see someone because it doesn't make sense if we do all this stuff to put in for you and you, something may be wrong with your wife, you know, in addition to it. So he gave me someone specific. He wanted me to go see, I went to see her. And at this point, this was 2018. And just at the consultation, things didn't come back very favorable. She was mostly speaking on behalf of my husband's diagnosis um, with very basic information about me. And from there, starting that day, she did an entire workup. I mean, the works. It was a span over about four weeks because you have to go in on specific days to your menstrual cycle. Hmm. So she took blood that day. And then I, you know, once I um, got my menstrual cycle, I had to call. And then from there, I had to go in on specific days after that. And so um, it spans over, like I said, three to four weeks. And then I went in and I got my results December 27th and my entire world shattered. We went from a diagnosis of infertility saying that it's going to be difficult for either of us to conceive. So meaning whether or not he tries to do it with someone else, which of course wouldn't happen, but if he was to try to do it with someone else, it probably wouldn't happen. Um, and if I was to try and get pregnant by someone else, it probably wouldn't happen. My world fell apart. She, she told me, I mean, up until this point, it had already been stressful. It had already been some depression, depressed feelings. A lot of my friends around me were getting pregnant. Um, my husband is a pastor, so it was very difficult to see the young ladies in our church getting pregnant. And I'm still supposed to encourage them, pray for them, be there for them. It was hard wow. because I was having a hard time really encouraging myself. Yeah. Um, and and I, I honestly would say that was part of the hardest part of the struggle was trying to balance how do you be the wife of a pastor? How do you lead a church? And you're feeling like your world is spiraling out of control right now. Wow. So would you and, say like your, your faith was challenged just in God itself? It was. My faith was challenged in God, um, just in the church community even. I felt very alone. I felt very abandoned because in the church, it's so often we'll just keep praying or mm -hmm. I'm praying for you. And I'm like, yes, but right now I need something more than that. And of course we know prayer is the ultimate answer. And, you know, God is the one who provides the miracles and the blessing, but I really just needed someone to talk to. Mm -hmm. And I needed someone that understood that when I was having some of the crazy thoughts that I was having um, in relation to not being able to get pregnant, that someone else was feeling that same feeling. Right. Um, it, it's very difficult when your story doesn't have to be the same as someone else's to understand hurt. We all know hurt, but it's very difficult when understanding hurt 
knowing that you know what hurt is and still trying to tell somebody all they have to do is pray and trust God. And I know that, yeah. but I need someone to talk to. Exactly. I needed, I needed a physical person to just put their arm around me. Mm-hmm. I needed a physical shoulder to literally lean on in some of my hardest moments. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel like I was getting that. And so it, it really started to affect my relationship with God, as well as my relationship with my church community. Um, so from there, like I said, that was December of 2018. So going into 2019 was rough. 2019, hands down so far has been, and hopefully it stops there, but it has, it was the worst year ever, ever experienced. Um, as a result of the infertility, I started experiencing severe depression, severe anxiety like never before. Um, I was struggling at work. I was struggling at church. I was struggling in my marriage. I was just struggling within myself, struggling with God. I mean, I was just an all around hot mess, falling apart. I stopped going to church um, to an extent. I couldn't stop altogether because like I said, my husband is the pastor. And so there's this other piece, which was a challenge of, I don't want to make him look bad. So I can't not go. Um, So I would continue to go on most Sundays. Some Sundays I would just skip it. Um, I stopped going to Bible study on Wednesday nights. We used to have service on Friday nights as well. And I completely stopped going to that also um, because I just, I couldn't handle it. I, I had a hard time listening to Christian music. It was just so hard. I, I mean, I don't even know how to explain it other than to say I was struggling. Yeah. Um, I wrote a book and originally this was also in 2019. It was part of my healing journey. I had no desire to release the book. Um, I was just going to write it and get it all out. And then I decided maybe I should release it because there's so many stories out there but this one is mine. Yeah. This one tells my story. So I released it um, in May of two, uh, 2020. So it became my quarantine project. What's um, the name of your book? My name, the name of my book is Tears from an Empty Womb, My Journey Through the Unknown. Where can people find that? You can find it on Amazon and then you can also contact me directly on Instagram at tea time. And then also in my email, it's tea time at gmail.com. Okay. And we'll put all that information below in the show notes. So I released this story of mine and it was a huge step for me because I'm now putting mine and my husband's business out there for anybody and everybody who has access to Amazon to see this. And it took a huge step of faith. And at that point, I wouldn't say that I was completely healed, but I was definitely healing. And I was definitely in a better place than than I was the year prior in 2019. I um, started revealing and opening up to people, including church and family, that I was in therapy 
that I had started seeking a support group because, you know, there's this stigma in the church about mental health and therapy and counseling and um, your answers all come from God. And that is 100% true. And I said, well, why can't I say, God, show me who to speak to? Right. You show me which counselor to go to. Um, And I did just that. And counseling ultimately was very, very helpful for me. Um, I also ended up on anxiety medicine, which was something else that I never thought I'd be on and um, was also somewhat ashamed. And then I said, you know what, if I'm ashamed, then the cycle just continues. That's why there's the stigma. So I opened up about that as well. It's perfectly okay. Um, and, And I really started, it really became easier to encourage other people in the church, as well as, you know, my community outside of church, such as work and friends that I've met who aren't in church, that waiting is hard. Waiting is not easy. But if you find the right support, waiting is bearable. It can become bearable. Not necessarily easy, but bearable. Um, We continued our journey of deciding what we were going to do to grow our family. Were we going to seek IVF? We weren't sure. It's extremely expensive. Um, And it it really became the miracle of life. Mm. And I really really had to ask God and say, you know, however you're going to do this, we need you to provide. Not only do we need you to provide a healthy egg, we also need you to provide healthy sperm. We also need you to provide income, money, because it's expensive. Regardless of which route you go, it can get pretty pricey. And majority of the time, it's not covered by insurance. So we continue our praying things got put on hold with COVID, couldn't do much. Um, Even if we had the ability to, we weren't able to because here in Colorado, they suspended um, elective surgeries, which included IUI, IVF, and any other um, surgery that was needed just to even diagnose or help the process of your diagnosis. So things were put on hold. Then we started moving again. And then suddenly things are put on hold again. Um, And in that, it really taught me that in waiting, it really, there's a lesson in waiting, if that makes sense. There's a lesson in waiting. And if you actually take the time and sit back and say, Lord, what are you teaching me in this waiting process? What can I learn in this process? this challenge, this difficulty, I know you have something for me. And you may not get the answer right then and there, but you will get an answer. Mm. Like I said, I I released a book and finally my husband and I were able to do an IUI after two surgeries and another new doctor um, who actually was okay with me doing IUI. My first doctor told me no. Um, She also told me they wouldn't do IVF because my chance of success was so low. Wow. Which is part of the devastation. That's where a lot of that devastation came from. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> um, so she, she actually told me that I'd need to find somewhere else to go. So she did my first surgery and then that's where it ended. She did my follow-up and I moved on. 
So I found the new doctor who was like, we'll give you all the odds. Nothing has changed as far as percentage favorability. Mm -hmm. Um, The chance of success is still the same, but we give it up. We'll leave it up to you. If you want to pursue IVF, even though you've been given a less than 5% chance, go for it and we'll support you how we can. Um, So that, that really made me feel like I was back in control. And again, that goes back to, you can pray and ask God where to go. And I did. And God sent me to where I was to that clinic. So we did our first round of IUI in Jan- um, we started the process January of 2021. And with that was just, okay, these are the supplements that I want you to be on. I'm adding these. I was already on quite a few. So she added more that were specific to um, actually trying to get pregnant versus just preparing my body to get pregnant. So we started that process that that was the end of January into February when I got a period and then I called and then that started a series of ultrasounds and blood draws and appointments. And to be honest, everything in me, because at this point it had already been so long, right? From 2011 to 2021. Wow. I was convinced that against all odds, against the statistics, against what everybody says, our first IUI was going to be a success. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the chance of an IUI being successful, it takes about three to four tries. Wow. Now, of course, there's the exception to the rule where someone does get pregnant the first try, same with IVF. And statistically, though, it's not favorable. But I was just convinced God, you finally made a way we're going to do this. You've made a way financially. You've made, you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. And it came time to take that pregnancy test. And I was staring at another negative pregnancy test. Wow. And my heart broke, my heart broke. And I said, you know what, God, I'm not going to stop trusting you this time. Mm -hmm. I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to trust you. And I'm going to keep like, we're going to, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. I went back to bed. I woke when my husband woke up, I let him know. And that was when I kind of lost it and cried and boohooed and carried on. And I had my moment and I ultimately cried myself back to sleep and get this. When I woke up, I had an email from a complete total stranger that was gifted a copy of my book. And she told me how encouraged she was. And she thanked me for being willing to share my story. She told me that it let her know that she's not alone because she also had felt alone. And they had also been married for nine years. And I read this email and I honestly said, for real God, this is what we're doing today. why couldn't this be tomorrow why couldn't this have been yesterday why today and like I said there's always a lesson in the going through you may not see it in the depths of going through but there's a lesson that you will learn at some point and I was upset I admittedly was upset I said God you didn't have to do this today she didn't have to send this email today and you could have stopped her. And a couple of days later, 
God reminded me with that same email because I went back and read it. And he, he let me know things are not in your time. Things are in mine. You're not in control. And I said, okay, God, I know, I know, yeah. I know. But just because we know something, sometimes we still need to be hit with a reminder. Mm-hmm. And in that moment was when I realized that, or I won't say realized, it was when I was reminded that this is a bigger picture. God had already told me very early on that my story was going to be the story that someone needed to hear. And he gave me a few people specifically. And so when it didn't play out in my time frame, I'm like, okay, I misunderstood. I didn't hear right. You know, I made it up. Um, all the, the self-doubt that we start to experience. And God had to remind me again, there's a bigger picture behind this. Your blessing is not just a blessing to yourself. It's a blessing to someone else. Wow. Um, about a month or two ago, almost two months ago now, I got an email from the same person that she's pregnant. Oh my goodness. What a testimony. What a testimony. And again, God reminded me, your story was not like you didn't, you don't go through just for you. Right. And just because I was waiting for a baby Hmm. and I waited so long with so many trials that came along with it. It seemed like things were going great. And then suddenly they weren't on track anymore. We shifted gears. What is happening? It really, people have come to me and told me, God did it for you and he's going to do it for me. And they don't have to tell me what their prayer is, but I'll know their prayer is not a baby. Everybody's prayer isn't to have a baby, but everybody's got something that they truly need done that they really need a miracle for. And I'm sitting here holding my miracle. Um, We, we, you know, like I said, the IUI backtracking, the IUI was unsuccessful. We jumped right into another one, terrified, but very optimistic, very encouraged. And on April 18th, I took a pregnancy test and it was positive. Oh my goodness. Now, in 2018, when I got those results from that first or that of like official full workup, that was on December 27th when I had that doctor's appointment. My original due date was December 27, 2021. Wow. God. God. It can only be God. It can only be God. And it really showed me that God is really strategically working behind the scenes. Now, I ultimately delivered on December 13th. But to me, like my, my, I was induced because of gestational diabetes, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't take away the fact that my original due date was the same day that my entire world came crashing down. And it really, really goes to show that God is always working in the background. Always. Even when it doesn't feel like it, God is always placing things, putting things, people, you know, everything. God is strategically placing the pieces of the puzzle together. Wow. And he got it under control. And now I can encourage another young woman behind me and say, I made it. And so can you, our marriage 
survived something that tears marriages apart. Mm -hmm. And so can you, maybe your story is an infertility. Maybe that's not what you and your husband are facing. Maybe you're facing infidelity. Maybe you're facing something else that I don't know, but for you, it's, it's relationship shattering, but I'm here to tell you that we made it and sis, you can too. You can make it if you really, truly want to make it. It is possible to make it. And honestly, I'll even put a spin on that because there were times that I didn't want to make it. I told myself I was leaving my husband because he deserves someone better. I, I told myself I was leaving my husband just because I was just done with life. And so I didn't want to make it, <laughs> but I still made it. And God still held me, held me close and held me together. He held our marriage together when it seemed like everything was happening to tear it apart, we're still here and we're going on 11 years married. It'll be 11 years in July. And it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And it really is a testament of how faithful God is that if he says he's going to do something, it might be 10 minutes. It might be 10 weeks. It might be 10 months. It might be 10 years. But if God said it, he will do it he will do it. And I feel like with holding this little girl in my arms that I, I feel myself and can now tell other people that I should have no issue going to God and asking for a miracle, no matter how big it is, because the odds were against us according to man's standards. And here we are. That is just... So good. I mean, something that you said that really stuck out was we put our own timelines on things. And, you yes. know, we think once we get married a year later, we're supposed to have a baby. We're supposed to do this, supposed to do that. And no one ever said that, you know, God never yes. said that. So your story is just so encouraging. And to also know that even during your waiting season, there were times where you weren't encouraged because a lot of people, Christians, especially think that every day is supposed to be bright, you know, and they can't doubt God and they can't be angry. And to know that you went through all of that, but now you're holding your testimony, like you said, it's just yes. amazing. Yes. And I think God, uh, I, we're, we're humans and we're emotional beings. Right. And, and I think that all throughout the Bible, it tells us, you know, be angry and sin not, do not fear, um, cast your cares. Like, I mean, there's so many reminders in the Bible that if you really look at it, they all have to do with emotions, right? And, and I think that I, I truly believe that God allowed me to feel those emotions so that, like you said, I can tell other people that those emotions don't just go away because you choose to trust God. Those emotions are still there right. and God will see us through every single one of those emotions. God will comfort us in our, our deepest hurts. He'll hold us and rock us. I mean, there were times that I honestly physically felt like I was being rocked to sleep. And, and I'm just like, God, I know this is you just comforting me because I need comfort right now. And he never said we weren't allowed to feel those emotions. And he never said we couldn't ask questions. Now you may ask questions and you might not get the answer when you want it or how you want it, but you can always, always take God, go to God with your questions and take your questions and your concerns to him. That's what he's there for. And that's another thing that I really would encourage someone to do is 
you know, we always say, don't question God, don't question God. I'm like, but when I don't understand, who am I supposed to go to? Mm. I should be able to go to God. And I truly believe that God wants us to come to him with those concerns and with those questions that we have. And like I said, he may not reveal it right then and there, but I mean, I can't tell you how many times I asked God when, how many times I asked why, mm-hmm. how come me? And it took nine years to, and I, I know there were other people, you know, who have said things, but that's one that really, really stuck out mostly because of the day that it was mm-hmm. and the specific situation that happened when that girl emailed me and God was letting me know you're going through this for somebody else. Wow. It's not just about you, baby girl. There's other people who are going to look to you and you're going to be their survival guide. Wow. And I'm so thankful to God for that. Wow. Oh my goodness. What a testimony. Um, I mean, you said it all. You said it all. Thank you for sharing your experience. Is there just any last encouragement you, I know you've said so much to encourage people, but like you said, for people, those that are waiting specifically, maybe for a child, I just want you to just talk to those people. Cause I know, like you said, we can be waiting for anything, but um, that feeling of waiting for a child, that's something that you went through. So if you can just speak to them just briefly. Um, I would say in waiting for a child, um, and I'm not going to put a, a time limit on it because I know how it felt at waiting for six months. I know how it felt at waiting for three years, six years, and then at that almost 10 year mark. And either way, it's devastating and either way, it's difficult. Um, it's easy to to watch other people and you feel like you're on this other side of a glass door and you're watching other people's, other people living out your dream. And in that, I would say it it hurts. Feel your feels. Don't push your feelings aside, no matter what the emotion is, allow yourself to feel it and process it. Give yourself that permission build yourself a support group. My support group consisted of other women as well as other couples experiencing the same thing that my husband and I were experiencing to some degree or another. Everyone's journey is different, but they were experiencing the desire to have a child. And my support group also consisted of people who have multiple children. Some of their children are grown And some of their children are currently the same age or around the same age as my daughter. Um, So very young. Your support group does not have to consist of your specific struggle. Some of my deepest encouragement came from those who never knew what it felt like to desire a child. But because they knew what hurt was, they could relate to the hurt and not necessarily the diagnosis. Mm. Get a support group. Get a support group of believers who are going to see the promise when your eyes are too filled with tears to see. Mm. Um, You need someone who's going to believe when you can't believe, when you don't want to believe anymore. You need someone in your corner saying, well, I'm still praying. (laughs) And they might get on your nerves, but you need someone who's going to say, I am still praying and who is actually still praying. 
And you also need people who are okay with you being your raw, gritty self, because there were some very unpretty and unlovable moments Mm. that I had. (laughs) And these people encouraged me and still loved me in some of those most unlovable times. And that's what you need. You need someone who's not going to walk away when you're the one being a jerk, Mm. um, who recognizes that it's your emotions driving your actions and not your actual personality. That's not how you really are. And they're still going to be there for you. And they're not going to let you stay in your, your pity party. You can have your moment, but I'm going to pull you back out of it. Cause I do believe you need to feel your feels. You you have to feel the emotions in order to heal from them. And then you need someone to pull you out of it when you can't pull yourself out. Wow. So, so good. Tamara, thank you so much for sharing your story. I hope for anyone that's listening, you've been encouraged um, just to know that, again, you're not alone. And can people feel free to reach out to you? Um, Absolutely. Great. So if you could share your Instagram just one more time for those that may have missed it. My Instagram is T-Time. And your email? My email is it's T-Time at gmail.com. Great. So again, thank you guys. Feel free to reach out to Mary if you have questions or if you just want to share encouragement or share your own story. You guys know that you can always follow Confessions of a Christian Chick on Instagram or send an email to confessionsofachristianchick at gmail.com and we'll catch you at the next episode. Bye.